This is This is Collected Thoughts with Keyshawn Harper. So let's address the elephant in the room. It's been a while. And although I could point to my prolonged absence as being a result of the craziness that is the end of a school year, I would be lying if I were to say that was the main reason. So instead of popping up with some new episode and hoping that no one noticed, I decided to talk about something that happens to me every so often. You see, there have been several times in my life where absolutely nothing interests me. Like really, nothing moves me. Sometimes I can go for a while on something and feel as though it's the most important thing in the world when all of a sudden that interest is gone. This is not to say that I don't care about the podcast, because honestly, it doesn't stop at that. Sometimes I'm surrounded by the idea that nothing really matters. So during those times of my life, I act as if nothing really matters. For me to truly describe to you the experience I'm feeling, I'm going to go back to the last major time this happened to me, because I think it was one of the most vital times. As I said before, it's no secret. I used to be a police officer a few years ago, and during the tail end of my career, I began to feel hollow. By this time, I spent a lot of time on the field, and experienced a lot of the typical things one might assume an officer would experience. And as I say, at first, every day was like an adventure, but slowly the same things I saw as adventures just turned into chores, to the point where I genuinely remember finding myself disinterested while wrestling somebody. Now I get many people have these times in their careers where their work doesn't necessarily excite them. But the problem here was it branched out into all aspects of my life. The disinterest didn't stop there. All I did was wake up, eat, go to work, repeat, day in and day out. Sometimes sleeping 12 to 15 hours a day. These facts alone are enough to cause concern. But what truly scared me was that I had no other desire. Because usually when we're in a bad place in life, we develop some sort of fantasy of how things could be. We begin to manifest some dream, some ambition that gets us through that time. But the thing is, during this time for me, there was nothing I wanted to do. There was no ambition. I knew for sure I no longer wanted to be an officer, but I didn't know what else to do. At the time, I didn't have any hobbies. I really wasn't being social. And now the one thing that I thought I would do forever, well, it flamed out. I look back at this point in my life, years removed and thankfully in a much better situation. However, that is not to say that the shadow has completely left me. It came back recently, which made me confused because as I said, I'm in a much better place. Which leads me to ask the question, why? So this time I decided to do something different. I wanted to lean into the feeling and really understand why it's there. Why at sometimes my ambition to have an ambition just goes away. They say that if you do not learn from your history, you're doomed repeated. And judging by the fact that I've repeated this cycle before, I clearly have not learned. So I decided to really look into what happens to me during this time of mine. Through my reflection, I've pinpointed about three things that provided more fuel to this rut I was in. I say more fuel because the major cause of this whole ordeal is the classic case of depression, something that affects millions of people throughout the US. Depression is a monster within itself. 
And to talk about that would take a multitude of episodes, and perhaps we will another day. But if you are suffering from that, the best course of action is to find counseling, because the root of it all could be so many different things that we can't even cover here. But apart from that, I want to talk about these three other factors that contributed to this period of apathy in my life. I believe these three things were dragging down my motivation to do anything, and hopefully, by talking about these things, you can be on the lookout for them yourself. But first, a quick lesson on store design. Have you ever wondered why there have been more and more Starbucks in stores? Well, yes, indeed, it is good for Starbucks as a business. It also helps the stores sell more items. When you have a nice hot or cold beverage in your hand, you feel more comfortable. And when you feel more comfortable in an area, the less likely you are in a hurry to leave it. And if you spend enough time in a store, then you are bound to find something you want to buy even if you didn't initially intend to buy it. Or how about another one? Have you ever wondered why it's so cold in the malls, no matter what the season is? Well, that's kind of for the opposite reason. Malls are a major hangout for teenagers, and they often stay there for hours and hours without buying anything. Those same teenagers often deter paying customers from being in the mall. So as a subtle way of weeding out those who just want to hang out, the mall purposely makes it cold and uncomfortable. This is to promote the message to get your stuff and get out. I'm not telling you these things so that we could all rise against the manipulative ways of capitalism. No, I wanted to point this out to show you how much the environment influences you, whether you realize it or not. During times in my life where my motivation was literally at zero, my environment did nothing to make it better. My apartment was an absolute mess, My car would be in the clutter, and these things would parallel to the state of mind that was in. There's a pretty famous speech given by a Navy SEAL named William McRaven that talked about how to change the world, and he said that it all starts by making your bed. He mentioned how that simple discipline creates the foundation of habits that lead to bigger and better things. But not only does it do that, it gives your eyes a better view. A study at Princeton looked at how visual contact with clutter or mess can affect our brain. Long story short, it found that messy environments can overwhelm us and can be linked to anxiety and stress. I mean, think about it. Have you ever left your room or house to a point where it seems overwhelming to even begin to clean it up? And how many of those times did you do something distracting to avoid cleaning, which inadvertently begins the whole vicious cycle again? And the next thing you know, a month goes by and the place is a huge mess still. Well, I get that some people may not be as extreme as me in this circumstance. The point is, we often talk about surrounding ourselves with uplifting people that can improve our mood. The same thing applies to what you do and what you see every day, our homes. This is a lesson that I keep having to relearn because honestly, home maintenance is one of the first things to go when I'm feeling stressed out. I want to go back to something I said a few moments ago about the messy place thing. I was not exaggerating when I said it could be messy for a month, and at worst cases, it can be for a couple months. But this leads me to the second issue that I have during times of extreme apathy. I know a lot of you have had some type of major errand you needed to run, a hard conversation that needed to be had, and you do every and anything under the sun besides what you need to do. Well, that same mindset could be applied to a lot of things in life. And when I get overwhelmed, one of my go-to coping mechanisms is problem avoidance. For those who are unfamiliar with what exactly it is, 
it is what it sounds like. You do things to distract yourself from the problem. And for a lot of people, that thing could be sleep. You remember back when I said I would sleep like 12 to 15 hours? That is a key thing of problem avoidance. Logically, it makes no sense. Just because you ignore a problem doesn't mean it goes away. But sometimes, sometimes you just don't know what else to do. I mean, I knew there was a problem in my life. I had no joy, nor any ambitions, or any friends. But the problem was, in order to fix that, that meant I would have to look very deeply inside myself and figure out why. This meant that I would have to have a lot of tough conversations with myself, and honestly, that would make me feel worse. So what ends up happening is that I stay in that rut because in some weird, twisted way, it's familiar. But over time, I'd have to remind myself that familiar is not a synonym for good. And longer I stay there, the harder it would be to climb out of that rut. If I wanted my story to change for the better, I needed to make a change. Speaking of stories, can anyone out there recall the moment when they first realized that all stories did not have a happy ending? That sometimes the perceived hero fails or may not have been a hero at all. What did you do? How did you feel? It may have made you sad or it may have ruined your day. But what's even worse is that realizing you are not guaranteed a happy ending. That your story could be a tragedy. Or even worse, it could be unnoteworthy. When this thought hits you, it jars your soul. And when things don't work out for you the first time, or the time after that, or the time after that, it begins to attack your expectations. See, when we watch movies or shows, we have some sort of belief that things will work out to be better or just the same as it was. And little kids shows really do provide those examples of that. You always know that at the end of the day, Spongebob will be Spongebob, or in the Rugrats, they're just going to be the same babies after the end of the day. But once you get older, you begin to watch different shows. By the time you hit to watch Game of Thrones, that false hope of things would be okay at the end dissipates very quickly to the point where you're simply waiting for the next person to die i think that sometimes we can have the same feelings for our own lives we no longer believe that things will work out and that stops us from even trying sometimes which not trying actually encourages that fear we have in my time in atlanta i saw many stories end in tragedy i began to see that sometimes the good guys may not win let alone come out unscathed. In other realms of my life, I was also learning that not everything works out in your favor. My worldview began to twist into that of pessimism. I believed that there were more sad stories out there than good ones, and nothing I could do would ever change that. And to be clear, I wasn't the only one. For centuries, we as humans have noticed that bad things happen, and we try to make up certain explanations as to why. One of my favorites is the story of Pandora's box. This is a Greek myth that begins with Prometheus, the man who gave us fire. Something that changed the course of history. Zeus, being upset by this act of defiance, wanted to extract revenge on Prometheus and the humans that he helped. So he ordered another god to create a beautiful creature. Something that the world has never seen before. A woman. This woman would be named Pandora. Now though she was very beautiful, she was also very dangerous. The gods all contributed to her creation, some giving her, quote, a shameless mind and deceitful nature. Someone else gave her, quote, lies and crafty words, most notably, Pandora's box. 
When life was given to her, she was told that the box contained special gifts from the gods, but she was not allowed to open it. Pandora was given to Prometheus' brother and was to be his wife. Prometheus protested this and told his brother that it's a trap from the gods. But Pandora's beauty blinded the brother from seeing the truth. Legend has it that Prometheus tried all he could to prevent Pandora from opening the box. But again, his words fell on deaf ears. She, as the gods planned, eventually opened the box. What was inside were not gifts, but curses. Death, war, famine, and disease all emerged from the box. And just as Prometheus' gift of fire brought a great change in the world, so did Pandora's box. Realizing what she had done, she tried to quickly close the box to see whatever horrors were left inside. However, it was far too late, and she only managed to keep one thing held captive. That one thing was the idea of hope. The myth of Pandora's box is usually used to forewarn others about the dangers of the unknown. However, I feel like it's a bit more than that. I think that we all have a Pandora's box given to us at birth. But for us, we do not make the choice to open it. It's really on a timer that can open and close at any given moment. For some, it may lay dormant for years, but for others, an open box awaits us as soon as we are born. Every time the box opens, we are suffocated with thoughts of despair, misery, and pain. And after so much time of peering into the box, we become drained of our emotions. We have nothing left to give. But no matter what comes out of the box, an illness, a war within our own minds, or the death of a loved one, we always are left something. Hope. It is no mere coincidence that the lack of hope is a major red flag when determining one's risk of suicide. And I think the longer that we gaze into the box, the less and less likely we believe that hope still remains. To rid ourselves of the pain of disappointment, we pretend that the hope never really existed in the first place. Over time, we let our own surroundings match our insides until our outside becomes a prison as well. We avoid troubles that the Pandora's box gives us to the point where the problems begin to compound. We get comfortable. I believe that the idea that being comfortable has been one of the reasons why I stay in the apathetic state for so long. There is no letdown. There is no straining, but in return, there is no happiness. So as I'm recording this episode, I'm reminded of the subtle pleasures of fighting that apathy. The slight thrill of things maybe not going according to plan, but the even bigger thrill of things working out in the end. And although it's true, my story may have a tragic ending, and I have no control over that, but it is also true that it could be an inspiring story worth telling. And honestly, if I let apathy win, at least one of these options are guaranteed. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, take it easy. Hey, once again, thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please do us a favor and subscribe. And after that, give us a five-star review. Also, while you're at it, like the Collected Thoughts Facebook fan page, or if you're more of an Instagram person, follow me, Keyshawn Harper, on Instagram. Thank you guys all for the love, and until next episode, take it easy.